Welcome to Day of Destiny with Dr. Michelle Corral, author, prophetic teacher, and pastor of Breath of the Spirit Prophetic Word Center. Dr. Corral can be seen weekly, nationwide, and around the world on her weekly telecasts that air on God TV, Impact, and Word Network. Now, let's join Dr. Corral by experiencing Day of Destiny, designed with your highest destiny in mind. Now, here is Dr. Corral. We were speaking, beloved saints, for days about the attributes of revival and that the attributes of revival, beloved saints, the first attribute of revival begins with, begins with the sense of absence. And absence produces agony. I want you to see this in Acts chapter 1 because we're going somewhere with this. Hallelujah. We're going somewhere with this. Acts chapter 1, I want you to see, I'm going to show you systematically in Acts chapter 1, uh, steps that are already laid out for us. Say this with me, systematic steps. Systematic steps. Already set for us in the text. Okay, so I'm giving you these principles from the text. These are textual principles. These are not principles that Dr. Michelle Corral invented. These are principles that are already in the text. Do you understand? I'm just showing you what's already laid out in the text. So that means that these principles are from Scripture. They're not from man because we're reading the source from the Word of God. All right. So the first element for revival that is absolutely essential is that there must be a sense of absence because absence produces agony. Without agony, there will be no revival. Without agony, we will not see a move of God. One of the great missionaries from the time right after Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor was the great missionary statesman of the 1800s who founded the Christian inland mission in China. And he gave his, his whole life, was dedicated to the Christian inland mission. After his departure from this earth, there was a little missionary by the name of John Frazier that there were so many missionaries that Hudson Taylor raised up because that's a sign of revival. Sign of revival is that missionaries start getting fired up to go to the nations. Hello. I don't know if I have any missionaries here that are getting fired up to go to the nations, that are getting ready maybe to do uh, three weeks, five weeks, six months. I don't know. But that is a sign of revival. Are you hearing me? I don't get a whole lot of amens. We think a sign of revival is just shouting the victory and feeling good. But there has to be fruit, evidence that we've had an encounter with God. And why does heaven come down to earth? Heaven comes down to earth to send us into all the world to preach the gospel so souls will be saved. 
it. And John, this missionary, who was a mighty man of God, he was very talented. He was, he was like a genius uh, with music. He was a musically inclined genius. He was a, ling a linguist. He spoke languages, and he went in the uh, China Inland Mission. He went to the in, inner part of China unto the Lisu people, the people of Lisu. And he studied their dialect and learned their language and stayed with them for so many years. And these were people that were totally idolaters. They worshipped the Chinese idols of ancient times. They had no sense whatsoever of monotheism or they knew nothing about Jesus whatsoever. He went and he lived with them and he lived in a, he lived in a very remote place behind a mountain. And so many people said, why are you wasting your talent? You're so intelligent. Why are you wasting your musical gift on just being a missionary? And that man began to convert multitudes of the Lisu people. As a matter of fact, tens of thousands of Lisu people became converted to Christianity and the Lisu people that he converted became the largest body of believers in, uh, that had been converted in the world at that time. Yet he lived in obscurity and no one knew who he was. And so one day they wanted to know the secret of his success. And like praying John Hyde, who was a missionary in India, and like David Brainerd, who was a missionary in his 20s and died at 29, was a student at Yale in the 1700s. And he had consumption. That's tuberculosis. And every day of his life, he coughed up blood. But he was called to the American Indians. Like David Brainerd, like praying John Hyde, and like this dear brother John from the China, China Inland Mission. They both, they all three were agonizers. You could get up in the middle of the night, it's recorded that David Brainerd with his consumption would go into the forest, his mission field was near Pennsylvania. It was near the freezing cold areas of Lake Huron. And where he would go would be into the forest at night and be filled with sweat, writhing on the ground, agonizing for Indian souls to come to know God. Praying John Hyde, a Presbyterian, a Presbyterian missionary went to India 
man spent so many hours in agony praying for converts that when they ex looked at his body, when they gave him an autopsy, when he died, his heart moved from one side of his chest to the other from agonizing before God. For souls. See, it's not something man can do. It's something the Holy Ghost does in us. The Lord told me tonight he's putting his hand on you to be a Holy Ghost agonizer. There are some in this place that are going to get the anointing so heavy tonight. You're going to be God's agonizer for souls. I hope somebody's hearing this today. Looking at these steps, go with me. We're going to skip because we don't want to run out of time. Verse 9. Look at verse 9. Verse 9 tells us this is Jesus. He had already given the great commission. The great commission was you will receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And the Acts version of the great com commission is, and you will be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And the Bible said, and when he had thus spoken these things, they beheld, and he was taken up, and a cloud received them out, received him out of their sight. Notice it says he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. It means he was no longer seen. Now, I want you to understand something, what happens here. The Bible says in verse 10, And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, he went up, and behold, two men saw and stood by in white apparel. Notice verse 11, and it says, You men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing into heaven? This same Jesus that was taken from you into heaven shall come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. What do we, we know that. Why, why we need to read that? Because, beloved saints, they were longing. They were staring. Have you ever seen somebody that you love drive off in the distance and you just wait till you only see the dot of the car? That's how Papa is. He used to do that for everybody who came to our house. In our old other home, we had an upstairs. And when people would leave, people we loved, we'd go to the window. And he'd say, babe, we're going to make sure that they're covered in the blood of Jesus. And we're going to make sure they're going to get home. Everybody, I don't care who they were. He'd go to the window, and he would stretch his hand out. And he'd pray for them as they're driving down the street until you couldn't see them anymore. And he said, do you see them still? Do you see them? And I said, no, babe, they're gone. And that's what he would do. Every person means so much to him. Hello, I said, every person means so much to him. You ought to give him a great big God bless you right now. Come on, you ought to give him a great big God bless you right now. And, and so when you love somebody, 
You, you don't want to see them go. Now, I want you to understand what's happening in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, they already lost Jesus at the crucifixion. They didn't know he was going to rise. And they were in shock when he rose. They got him back. And he was there for 40 days and 40 nights. They got, the, they got Yeshua back. They got him back. They felt him again. They ate with him again. He was walking. He was alive. He wasn't dead. But now they're going through the same thing that they went through because now he's leaving again. Can you imagine? The Bible doesn't say that they did a praise break right here. They did not do a praise break right here. They were watching Jesus go into heaven. Knowing that they'll probably not see him. They're not going to see him until they get to heaven. And so while he's gone, there was a sense of absence. How? Because the Holy Ghost was not yet given. And the Holy Ghost is the only one who can show us Jesus. So during 10 days of absence, there's no hearing the voice of God. For 10 days of absence, it's just Jesus in heaven. It's no relationship with Jesus till the Holy Ghost appears on earth in the day of Pentecost. You see, it's absence. Do you understand? We as God's people have to understand what absence is like. Though we have the presence of God, though we come to church, do we really have all that God wants to give us? We have to come to the place that we agonize out of absence. Lord, where are you? Lord, we need you. And absence produces agony. You see, God needs agonizers. Watch the text. Notice these verses represent absence. But watch verse 13 and 14, 14 being the key. I'll go right to verse 14. Notice the systematic sequence in the text that everything's a step by step. Verse 14 says, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. The word one accord doesn't mean agreement. You might think it does. But you see, the Bible is so articulate that the words in the Greek language are very important because one accord is not uh, the same word as agreement. So if it's a different word, then that means it's a different action. But most of us think one accord is to just agree. And that is part of it, but that is not what it means. The word one accord, one which is the Greek word for same. It's the word, uh, it is the word homothemodon, themodon. And themodon is a word that means, it's taken from the word thermal, like fire. So it means, one accord means same fire. It means same Fire, same passion, same desire. Are you with me, saints? So they continued proskaterios in Greek, which means they were steadfast, um, in one accord, and that 
main word is fire. In prayer and supplication. What is the Greek word for supplication? It is the word desis. Now let me explain to you what desis is. Desis is a posture where one is presenting a petition out of lack. I said one is present, presenting a petition as if they're lacking. That means that there must be a desperation for God's presence. There must be a desperation in our hearts that we can't make it without the Lord. Do you realize that praying Hyde said, give me souls or else I die? And almost the identical words were the words used for John Frazier from the, the Chinese Inland Mission. Give me souls or else I die. Do you remember Rachel? She said, give me children or else I die. There's a desperation. Give me your presence or else I die. I cannot live without your anointing. I want your presence more than I want anything else in this earth. Do you understand the call for divine agonizers? Our beloved saints, going back to the vision, the Lord said, after he told us, and I'm not going to go again into what God told us because I already said it, so I'm not going to repeat it. It had to do with what's coming. And the Lord said this to us, that we have been given warnings Please hear this. We've been given warnings that have prepared us in his mercy. Warnings that are signs that are undeniable for what's coming in the earth. We've been given warnings. I want you to understand warnings are not judgments. They're not the same. Warnings aren't judgments. Warnings are a wake-up call. Warnings are undeniably, this is going to happen. Please hear and see. They're, they're ordained before the foundation of the world. Like a watchman. The Bible tells us in Ezekiel chapter 33, verses 3 and 4, if we want to turn to it quickly. Ezekiel 33, verses 3 and 4, I'll tell you the duty of a watchman. The Bible says that in verse 3, the Bible says, if a man, speaking of a watchman, when he seeth the sword come upon the land and he blow the trumpet and warn the people, verse 4, then whosoever hears the sound of the trumpet and does not take warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood is on his own head. Let me explain it. A watchman had the responsibility for the city He'd go up into the tower. 
the tower of the city gates and look way out into the distance. And when a watchman would see the enemy coming, his responsibility was to warn everyone in the city. For example, before the Babylonians hit Jerusalem, the Babylonians are here, the Babylonians are here. They saw him way out in the distance. And so the prophet Ezekiel is telling us that whoever hears the sound of the trumpet, because there would be a shofar that would sound. And if you hear it and see the, the one who is giving warning and he's coming into the village to save lives and they don't pay attention, they just go on with business as usual. Oh, well, the, isn't that nice? That guy's on a horse and he's blowing the shofar and saying that the Assyrians are about to attack this village. Wow, well, I sure hope I miss it. Lord be with me as I go on scrubbing. Then the Bible says, if the sword come and take him away, in other words, make him a captive, then his own blood is on his own head. It means he's responsible that he didn't respond to the watchman's call. And the same thing. We see it all throughout the book of Ezekiel, the, the responsibility of the persons who are to hear the watchmen. Now, the Lord has different type of watchmen. This time it wasn't through a, a human being. Because when it's going to be irrefutable, that there's no denying about it. There's no questions. God is not going to be held responsible for what happens after he has sent his warnings. I said, God is not going to be responsible after he lovingly has sent ample warnings that are undeniable, not even a person. He didn't raise up a person to be the one speaking, or we could have doubted. He didn't even raise up a human being to be the mouthpiece of warnings. Because we could have questioned a human being. So he set up signs in the heavens that no man can refute. Signs in the heavens that are undeniable. They align completely with scripture. They didn't all happen at once because God is not a magician. He's not interested in your entertainment. And so if we're not sensationalized and we just watch it for a moment. We're mesmerized, but we do nothing about it. We're not on our faces agonizing for so what is about to happen. Are we, are we cuckoo? I'm really telling you this is the truth. It's so plain about it, beloved. 2013, he began his signs. They're irrefutable. 
that first sign on Hanukkah. The Bible tells us clearly that the luminaries, the sun and the moon, were created for two primary purposes in Genesis chapter 1, verse 14. For signs and for seasons and for days and for years. Days and years are the secondary purpose of the creation of the sun and the moon. The primary purpose is to announce signs and seasons. The word seasons is moedim in Hebrew. It means feasts. So when the sun and the moon are ordered by God from Scripture to do what he commanded them to do, it is a witness. Look at Psalms 19, verse 1, and see the evidence of how the heavens declare the glory of the Lord. Look at the word. I don't care if you're entertained by this, beloved, or not, because you've got to hear it, precious dear ones. The Bible tells us, the heavens declare the glory of the Lord and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Watch this. Day unto day uttereth speech and night unto night showeth knowledge. The next verse. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. That means a blood moon can be all over the world. Watch this. Verse 4. Their line has gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. He has set them and he has set the, a tabernacle for the sun, meaning that the sun is under his glory. It's going to do what he tells it to do since he created it. Hello, somebody. I said since he created it. I'm not going to go over all the signs. I'll just give you a brief instant replay. 2013, November 28th. That's Hanukkah. It never comes barely in November. This year it came in November. The comet Ison in the heavens. Jesus is the one who said, watch the heavens. And in case there's anyone here to question, go to Luke 21, verse 25. Jesus tells us exactly where these signs will be. Luke 21, 25. Go quick. Luke 21, 25. Here's where they're going to be. How many of you know if Jesus said it, you better believe it? Say this with me. If Jesus said it, I better believe it. The Bible says there will be signs where? You repeat it. There will be signs? I said there will be signs? And where else? And where else? And in the stars. And distress of nations with perplexity and what? Say that again. Say that one more time. Hurricanes, okay? I said hurricanes, okay? Okay, so now that you got that evidence, 
You've got Psalm 19 and you've got this and I'm not going to go into exegesis. I could spend the whole day here proving to you from God's word how these luminaries are his instrument. Hello, I said the luminaries that he created are his instrument to do what he wants them to do. When it happens on a biblical feast, child, you better pay attention. Okay. Hanukkah 2013. Comet Ison goes into the perihephalon of the sun, does not explode. Everybody's going crazy on the internet. It should have exploded by just going anywhere near that portion of the sun with all of the energy and all uh, everything that is happening, it doesn't explode. Then all of a sudden on Hanukkah, this huge, you can see it without a telescope. You see this huge light, light. It's for over 3,000 miles long coming out of that comet and it still doesn't disintegrate, okay? And it's Hanukkah, which is the Feast of Lights. That really doesn't mean too much unless you see the sign that followed. That very same day, the greatest natural disaster in human history hit the Philippines. There's never been a natural disaster that can compare when that sign happened in the heavens going on in the earth. That all over the Philippines, 7,000 miles of nonstop damage from hurricane and uh, from the typhoon, typhoon Hyum. All right, so, you know, we saw that. We didn't really pay that much attention because we were looking at other current events that took place in 2011, 2012. We weren't looking to the future because we didn't know what was going to happen in the future. Are you with me? How are we supposed to know that there's a tetrad coming? Then in August of 2013, the whole ministry is on a fast. Everybody's consecrating because it's time of Rosh Hashanah. So everybody's on fire. Everybody's fasting. Everybody's seeking. Everybody's praying. Everybody's on fire. So the power of God is really present. And when it was time for the Wednesday night service, before we went to the Wednesday night service, the Holy Ghost started leading us to figure out some things. And I, I'm just like shocked, ready to fall off my chair. And, and we realized, I never heard of a blood moon before. And that sounds spooky to me. I'm not going to preach about a blood moon. You know, I want everything so scripturally astute and accurate. I don't want to sound like some crazy person. Are you kidding me? That's what I'm thinking to myself. This can't be God. Till I realized that NASA gave the title to a lunar eclipse, to a blood moon. And the Lord said, look up the date. And looked it up. And it happened to be in April. And I said, boy, I'm going to look on the Hebrew calendar. If this is Passover, we're... We're really dead meat. Look it up. It's Passover. And then I'm like, wait, what's going on here? Then NASA, studying the NASA website, sent another blood moon is scheduled in 2014. And I thought, oh, my God, October? This can't possibly be. Lord, it can't be Feast of Tabernacles. It just can't be. So I have to go on another site to check it out. Is it the Feast of Tabernacles? Oh, my God, it's the Feast of Tabernacles. One blood moon on Passover 2014 and another blood moon on Feast of Tabernacles. What is going on here? 
Then, looking at the NASA, navigating the NASA website, looking at stuff because I always look in on there once in a while when the Spirit of God leads to see is there some kind of a, something going to happen, what's going on, especially at Rosh Hashanah time. Then it says that a, a solar eclipse is going to happen. A huge solar eclipse in March of 2015. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, if it's March of 2015, maybe it's another Passover or what isn't it going? I start looking on the calendar, the Hebcal calendar, to see when's what's, what feast is March 15th? Is there a feast? Looking frantically uh, on the internet to see, is there a feast? Oh my God, it's Rosh Kodesh Nisan. What's going on here? Then looking at this website, see another blood moon, another blood moon. I, I mean, we've, I don't even remember ever seeing a blood moon in, in my, my life. Maybe they were there, but I never paid attention. Another blood moon. And it's again in April of 2015. And it's like, oh my God, please, Lord, is this Passover again? Looking it up on Hebcal, it's Passover. And then another one in September. And I think, well, maybe it's Rosh Hashanah. What's going on here? What's the next blood moon? It's the same one, Feast of Tabernacles, Sukkot. That was it. I just, we, we, I started looking up. Has this ever happened in, in human history, these many blood moons? And what happens when there's a Passover Sukkot blood moon? And I looked it up and started realizing that there were several blood moons in Israel's history. One in particular in the Six-Day War, there was a blood moon and, and um, in that year of Jubilee. And then looking up at these other blood moons that, that times that it took place, it always seemed to be when Israel is at war or when there were issues happening in the earth that affected Israel. And I just thought, Lord God, what is going on here? So we just went about and we began to start doing surveys on current events. Then all of a sudden in 2017, out of nowhere, we find out there's going to be a massive solar eclipse across the United States. And on the internet, the rabbis were going wild because everybody was going to go to Colorado and Oregon to watch this huge solar eclipse that's going to come across the United States. And I thought, why are they all going crazy over this? It's because 2017 on Rosh Kodesh Elul, which is the day, the, the day that ushers in the month of repentance before judgment. I'm thinking, whoa, my God, seven signs. Seven signs. Hanukkah, Passover, Sukkot, Rosh Kodesh Nisan. Passover, Sukkot, and Elul. Oh my goodness, seven signs. And the Lord later afterwards said, yes, seven signs. And if you look at the 2017 eclipse, you'll realize it happened the same day that Hurricane Harvey hit the United States. And that, and that Hurricane Harvey was 
actually a, a, a found out to be the one of the worst natural disasters in the United States, and though it was not the same category as Katrina, Katrina was a five, Hurricane Harvey was a four, it did the same amount of damage that, that uh, Katrina did. And it hit that day. And then Rosh Hashanah of 2017, Hurricane Maria hit. Okay, so seven signs for seven years, those things in the heavens. Seven years, what was the seventh year? You figure it out. Seven signs starting in 2013, ending in 2017, but the calculation will be for seven years. What happened in 2020? Hmm. Hmm. What happened in 2020? I said, hmm. I'll tell you quickly. At a glance, I'll do at a glance, at a glance to understand COVID. Do you realize that over 6,897,25 people died of COVID so far? And over 685,905,830 cases of COVID since 2020. Do you realize that, beloved saints, that in 2017, as I told you, that the day that the eclipse happened, Hurricane Harvey hits? Did you realize also that on March 22nd, 2022, a survey was done by the NPR? And it was a survey to see how many wars are going on on the earth at one time. And the last calculation of how many wars are going on on the earth at one time are over 2 billion people on planet earth at one time are being affected that either live in a war zone or there's a military conflict in their country. I said over 2 billion people. Do you realize that is a quarter of the globe in military conflict or in war? Does that do anything for anyone? Or are we so inoculated with being uh, so hardened heart that it doesn't move us anymore? At a glance, all right, just at a glance, the humanitarian food crisis. According to the UN, these statistics, 828 million people go to bed hungry every night in the earth. And the last survey that was done in 2021, I'm taking these two-year-old uh, statistics, over 2.3 billion people in the world, 29% of the world's population is either on the brink of famine or is in a, a situation where there will be a food crisis. Do you understand? I'm just giving you baby statistics. I'm not doing this, the kind of research that we always do. This is just baby statistics. Here's one more for you. Do you realize 
that the UNHCR, the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees, do you realize that the last calculation of refugees in the earth, do you realize, do you realize this, folks? 100 million internally displaced persons. Do you know what that means, internally displaced persons? They are not refugees. Internally displaced persons means they should have refugee status, but there's so many refugees, they don't even have refugee status yet. They're internally displaced persons without countries that are fleeing anywhere they can go to try to get uh, into some kind of a refugee program. 100 million in the Earth's inhabitants. And the actual number of refugees right now that are registered refugees with the UNHCR, meaning they are under the care of the UN, 89 million. And somebody says, well, do you realize? Warnings. I said, warnings, we're looking at these things, those seven signs for seven years. Warnings, God has given us warnings. So God is saying to us tonight that he wants divine agonizers, that he wants us to offer ourselves to him. Stand to your feet right now and open your heart this very moment. I believe there are agonizers here tonight that God is calling and raising up. Thank you for joining us today on Day of Destiny. We invite you to our website at mydayofdestiny.com where you can easily access other podcasts and obtain your copy of Dr. Corral's latest book, Secrets of the Anointing. Also, we want to take this moment to invite you to engage in extending your hand of kindness by planting your seed or offering for multitudes that include orphans, providing water wells, providing medical supplies, clinics, feeding programs, and many other services to the suffering church and through efforts of evangelism worldwide. Just go to our website and click the donate button or text to give. Text HESED, C-H-E-S-E-D to 7797. That's HESED, C-H-E-S-E-D to 7797. You are also invited to visit Dr. Michelle Corral Facebook or Instagram. We look forward to having you encounter the anointing with us on our next Day of Destiny podcast.